Hi, I'm Greg Wilpert. In a whirlwind of events that shocked the South American nation of Peru, the country's leftist president, Pedro Castillo, was impeached and arrested on Wednesday, December 7th. Shortly before his arrest, Castillo was already facing a third impeachment proceeding, which he tried to preempt by dissolving Congress. However, lawmakers beat him to the punch when they quickly voted to remove him from office in a vote of 101 to 6 with 10 abstentions. Also, members of his own cabinet and other allies denounced his plan to dissolve Congress. Shortly after the impeachment, Peru's vice president, Dina Boluarte, was sworn into office. She's from the same political party as Castillo, the Libre Party, and briefly served in his cabinet. Peru thus now has its sixth president in four years. Castillo himself was elected only a year and a half ago, narrowly defeating the far-right candidate Keiko Fujimori, the daughter of Peru's former right-wing dictator Alberto Fujimori. What now for Peru? Joining me to discuss this is Francesca Emanuel. She is a Peruvian PhD student in anthropology at American University and is also a columnist for the Peruvian news outlet Waika. Thanks for joining me again, Francesca. Thank you, Greg, uh, for inviting me. So, what do you think uh, does Castillo's removal from office mean for Peru? So, this situation in Peru is, is a tragedy. It's a catastrophe uh, for Peruvians, and it's heartbreaking for me. And, and, and uh, democracy hasn't triumphed. Uh, democracy has not triumphed, as most of the media outlets said today in their headlines. Uh, in Peru, and as how many of the experts in Peru said also today, uh, Peru elected a leftist president, Pedro Castillo, a year and a half ago, a president that was coming from the working classes. It was the first leftist president elected in our history since we became a republic 200 years ago. He offered uh, a big transformation in our country. He offered to reduce poverty, to reduce inequality, to give voices to the uh, populations that have been for decades mar marginalized in my country. And now that president now is arrested, is detained. And we have a new president, Dina Boluarte, who we barely know. She was vice president with Pedro Castillo. She ran with him in the same ticket under the same party. But the truth is that in the past year and a half, she was appointed as the Minister for Inclusion, a ministry that is very coveted because it has a big budget, but she didn't do much with that big budget. Um, she could have in implemented several progressive policies, but what she did is that she implemented the same policies that she inherited from previous administrations. In this year and a half, she hasn't shown her voice, and now she is our president. On the other hand, we have a Congress in Peru that has been trying to impeach Castillo since the first day uh, he was elected, not even since the first day he became president. And this Congress that is captured by right-wing forces 
by fascist groups, uh, many of them related with the uh, Fujimori party, uh, was celebrating yesterday when, when the impeach against Castillo took place. I have in my head uh, this image of them taking selfies, uh, uh, chanting, saying that democracy has triumphed, when they were the ones who were okay with bending democracy when, uh, when Castillo was elected. They were pushing to flip the results of the elections to get rid of him. So that's, that's a tragedy because they are seeing this as a victory for them. Uh, we have to see this situation uh, with uh, a big pers within a big perspective. Um, we in Peru are going through a huge, deep political crisis that has been going on for years. Uh, just to give you an example, since 2018, when our uh, former president elected Pedro Pablo Kuczynski resigned, we have had six different presidents just in four years, six different presidents. Plus, we have several new parties that come and go. In, in this Congress, eight parties were elected to, uh, to this Congress, and now we have 14 different political groups because many members of these different parties resigned from the party because they, they are not committed with these parties that many of them are, uh, were created by uh, businessmen who were trying to get a party in, in, in Congress to protect their interests. So, uh, as I said before, uh, we are going through a systemic political crisis, and this is not uh, by any means a good moment uh, for us Peruvians. Hmm. Now let's look back a little bit. Um, as I mentioned, Castillo himself was elected a year and a half ago and has faced now three impeachment efforts, the last one being successful. Now, what was going on during his presidency? Why was there so much turmoil and was he able to achieve anything at all? So I, I have to say that the situation in Peru is complex and we shouldn't see it uh, uh, from from a perspective, uh, reading it at, as it was black and white. Uh, Castillo was a popular president. As I said, uh, his platform was a leftist platform. But as soon as he became president, he decided not to fulfill those promises that uh, people uh, supported and voted for. Um, he was surrounded by uh, his friends from his hometown, many of them with no political background, who just entered uh, his cabinet or his group of advisors just thinking on what they could get uh, in terms of money for them, in terms of public contracts. He also was uh, uh, getting involved with uh, dubious figures uh, from the traditional right-wing politics, even people who were connected with the Fujimori party. Uh, as you mentioned, he, he, the, the opposing candidate, 
uh, in the presidency and the elections for the presidency was Keiko Fujimori. And actually these figures were the one who were trying to impeach him. But even though he was getting close to them in many situations, um, and and he didn't implement any of the progressive policies he said he would do, not even the ones related to education. He was a teacher and he said that one of his priorities was going to be education. And in Peru, children were the least to uh, come back to schools in the whole region. Um, he also said what, that it was going to pass a tax reform and he didn't even uh, supported that. So there were, uh, I think people in Peru and I, 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 I'm including in, in those people feel betrayed by Castillo and, and that's a real shame, not only for the country, but also for the left in Peru that rally behind him and ended up, um, being, uh, feeling that he betrayed them too. And now they feel that there is little room, uh, uh, for them to get together and organize again. And, and, and also many groups in Peru, many people who are not connected to politics are blaming the left for this failure in terms of policy. So it's, it's a hard situation for the left as well. Hmm. Now, what about the process by which uh, he was removed from office? I mean, there are many people on the left particularly have uh, been criticizing this basically as another coup. Uh, the question is, though, I mean, was uh, Castillo allowed to uh, dissolve Congress, which was the reason that was given for his impeachment? And then was the impeachment itself correct? What do you think? According to the Constitution of Peru, that passed during the dictatorship of Alberto Fujimori, and I think that is the source of many of our uh, political problems that we have right now. Uh, according to that constitution, there is an article, 134 article, that says that the president can dissolve Congress if there are two no-confidence votes, and Castillo didn't even have one. So. He dissolving Congress was an unlawful move. And, and that's why very quickly many members of his cabinet said that they were not supporting it. Um, very quickly, many figures from the left or, or honest figures were, were condemning it. Uh, so he didn't have uh, any political, well, actually, any legal basis to do it. He probably had, he thought, many political uh, basis to do it. But the truth is that his strategy was terrible. Uh, the the army or the military were not on the streets. The army didn't support him. And he ended up being arrested in two hours within, after uh, announcing that he was going to dissolve Congress and he was impeached also within two hours and now he's still arrested and he didn't even uh, was able to reach the Mexican embassy where he was going to get political asylum. Now, what about the new president, Dina Baluate? Um, you said earlier that we know very little about her. What do we know? Well, we know that she has no much 
political background. She ran uh, for two positions as mayor in a district of Lima uh, with the Peru Libre Party, the party of Pedro, Cast Pedro Castillo, and, and she didn't win. So this is the first position she has, uh, a political position. She is a lawyer and she was kicked out from her party this year in January from the Peru Libre Party. So she is becoming a president with no party, no base. And as I said before, we haven't heard of what her ideas are. Uh, that's very useful or beneficial for the right-wing forces, for the ruling class, because he can be even more docile to whatever they want. And uh, the difference between her and Castillo is that she was an official. She was working for the registry of IDs for 17 years. So let's say that she uh, has a better uh, way of communicating uh, with the media that Castillo didn't have. And that brings more formality to her position, but uh, and, and probably brings more stability uh, she, I don't think she brings this group of people that Castillo brought to palace that were asking for favors uh, from Castillo. Uh, but at the same time, it's a huge disappointment because we can't expect, it, it's unlikely to expect any uh, progressive government that comes from her. I just saw uh, minutes ago that she was having meetings with the right-wing forces, the same forces that were trying to oust Castillo from the beginning, Fujimori people, and she was super happy about it. She will likely appoint technocrats or member, members from these parties uh, in order to continue in the presidency until 2026. And I'm sure that if she tries to do something progressive, the right-wing forces within Congress will try to oust her. Uh, there are groups from the far right that are already organizing uh, protests against her, but I, I feel that many members in Congress are quite happy with her. Yeah, I understand that uh, she's argued that she wants to create a, some kind of a national unity government or something like that and unite Peru, uh, Peru's opposing forces and so on. Well, what are the main political forces at the moment in Peru that uh, would be the main players? The right-wing forces, because unfortunately, uh, only two parties, leftist parties, enter Congress. And, and one is Peru Libre Party that was fragmented three times. They started with 30-something congressmen uh, and congresswomen, and now they only have 15. And, and they haven't pushed for uh, progressive policies, unfortunately. And the other party was Juntos por el Perú, which was a coalition that, that now doesn't exist at all. Uh, and, and outside Congress, in, in the uh, political realm in Peru, there is no, there are no leftist parties at this point that have credentials to run in any soon uh, elections. Uh, people in Peru, people from the left, 
are uh, demanding general elections. Uh, and it's a fair demand because what we have right now in Congress, it's a, it's a fascist Congress, a Congress that uh, didn't care about trying to bend democracy that, uh, uh, that used several uh, racist uh, uh, phrases against Castillo and, and against the working class people in Peru. And that's a fair demand. But the problem is that if there are general elections tomorrow, the truth right now is that there is no even one party. If you put aside Peru Libre that I don't consider is a leftist party uh, that could run in those elections. So you could end up having more Fujimori people or a group that is called Etnocaceristas that is run, uh, led by Antauru Mala, a far, uh, far right, I would say, with some populist, even though I don't like to use those words, uh, lines, uh, but a person who says that every person who has committed case uh, corruption has should be killed, that he wants to reimpose the, the death penalty, who wants to persecute LGBTQ people. So very likely, even though he doesn't have a party, he will find a shelf party or uh, sorry, a shell party to run. And that could be the future if we have general elections tomorrow. Uh, having new elections will not really be a solution um, or will not come with a positive result, per, for, at least for the left. Why is it that uh, so many um, uh, Peruvians apparently are supporting the right? What, what, what's your analysis of that? Supporting the right. I. I think that many Peruvians are not supporting the right. I think that you have a concentrated, monopolized media that makes us or makes the public believe that there are many Peruvians that support the right. But I think, and that's why Castillo won, because working class people were against the right. Um, the truth is that the right has a lot of power in Peru. Uh, since the presidency of Alberto Fujimori, he uh, transformed the political system, the party system, the labor system in Peru in a way that they were able to capture all institutions. Um, and, and, and working class people in Peru want to improve their conditions. And this, for example, this figure I told you about Antauro Umala, uh, many of the proposals is to increase uh, the, the uh, decrease the inequalities, like give voice to working class people and indigenous people. At the same time, uh, he's very conservative and I would say fascist. So uh, there's, there's, there's a, uh, a complex situation. And, and unfortunately, because Castillo didn't fulfill his promises, now, there are some protests that, or some people on the streets defending him, but not enough. And, and with, with his presidency that supposedly was a leftist presidency, the left kind of dissolved because at the end of the day, even though many of us saw many uh, uh, bad movements or bad decisions by him, um, we decided 
not to criticize him so much because he was from the left and if we were criticizing him uh, that meant that we were aligning with the right wing forces that wanted to oust it so that was not beneficial for the left because during this year and a half we've been uh, just kind of defending Castillo from these racist and, and attempts to oust him and not focusing and debating real reforms and political issues that we could implement in 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 our in our government or we could also include in a potential constitution uh, that we need because the truth is that if someone needs a constitution is Peru that's the source of our political crisis right now but at this moment the left hasn't been debating what are those issues that we want to include with uh, in the constitution because we have been trapped in this situation supporting Castillo and at the same time uh, rejecting the right wing forces. Hmm. Now, finally, I want to turn to the international context. Uh, there was a, an OAS emergency meeting to discuss the situation in Peru. Um, what has been the role of the OAS and also of the United States in all of this? So the OAS, and this is another tragedy, the OAS helped Castillo. Just to give you uh, an example, a few weeks ago, three weeks ago, there was gonna uh, uh, be, there was gonna happen an impeachment vote against Castillo. And the OAS moved quickly and they organized uh, a high uh, level delegation that was, that was sent to Peru to analyze the situation. And that gave oxygen to the government of Castillo. Uh, Almagro was talking about putting together uh, a group uh, to bolster dialogue between the different political forces and between Congress and, and the executive branch. Um, and Castillo, instead of getting close to the leftist governments in the region, what he did right two months after he was elected, he came here to Washington, D.C. right after he went to La CELAC when many progressive governments were criticizing the OAS and its role in the coup in Bolivia in 2019. So right after Castillo met with this uh, uh, leftist governments in Mexico, he came here to Washington to meet with Almagro. And, and that relationship continued. Peru financed the General Assembly of the OAS in Lima a few months ago and asked uh, the OAS to send a mission uh, uh, to investigate corruption. He was very close to the OAS. And I don't think that Almagro uh, did it because he really believed in Castillo. It's just he saw in Castillo an opportunity to whitewash, to to bring better credentials to his like tarnished image after bolstering a coup in 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 Bolivia, and he saw him as a docile uh, figure that he could manipulate, and and. As soon as Castillo committed this uh, uh, 
stupidity of dissolving Congress, the uh, United States said that they were condemning this, and the U.S. said uh, the OAS said the same, and now they are very happy with the new president, Lima Boluarte. Okay. Wow. Well, we'll probably come back again and see how things develop, but we'll leave it there. I was speaking to Francesca Emanuel, Peruvian PhD student in anthropology at American University. Thanks again, Francesca, for having joined me today. Thank you so much, Greg. And thank you also to our audience for joining us 